0: I remember the last time I saw my dad, I was seven years old, and for no reason at all, he bought me this yo-yo. It was so cool. I mean, it wasn't just an ordinary yo-yo. It had lights that lit up when you yo-yoed it, red lights on one side, and blue lights on the other. And it made this funky whistling noise, too. Oh, wow, that sounds like quite a yo-yo. Y- you still got it? No. After a while it stopped lighting up. Then it quit making that funky whistling noise. Then I guess my mom just threw it away. You know, I don't even remember what my dad looks like. I don't remember what my dad looks like either. But at least
1: I get to see him every day. Hey, everybody, I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, home of the Silver Linings Playback. (laughs) Can I take your order? (laughs) It is a new month. It is November, and that means we have a new theme. And if you couldn't tell by the fact that we did Good Burger, uh, we decided November, Thanksgiving, we're going to do food movies. Food, movies. Movies about food.
0: <clears throat> and what better food to start with than burgers? Yep. That's why we picked it. Yep. Yeah. They're not all complicated, you know? No, I, I not, mean... There's no... Uh, <laughs> they can't all be as complicated as <laughs> Nick Cage month. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Sometimes the concept is just right in front of your face.
0: So Sometimes it's just, this movie has food somewhat central to the plot. hmm And that's what we're doing.
1: So which we, we did like last year what did we do? Like it was odd. We, we did heist movies just because we wanted to do heist movies. Yes. Yeah. So we're, we we're really, wanted to watch money plane. That was exactly why we did it, is we really, really wanted to watch money plane. And I'd and say it was worth the right it. choice. Yeah, it was one hundred percent the right choice. Can you imagine our lives if we didn't know about Darius Grouch, aka The Rumble? I don't want to. No. It's a sadder world for sure. That's that's
0: a that's the darkest timeline. It really is, and you think this timeline's bad? Like th- it's. Can seems you imagine? Bad. Oh man, all of this going on plus we don't know about money plane. It it sounds really sad. I don't. We like don't it. know about a place where people can bet on a guy fucking an alligator. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't want that world. I don't want that evil in my life. No,
1: no, it sounds terrible. But anyway, that's so that was last year. They sadly. We wrote letters, we tried a campaign, but they did not release Money Plane 2 in time for us Money to Money or Plane. Money or Plane. <laughs> for us to watch, you know, five more ice We sent movies. them a script and shot it and they wouldn't release it. And we got Kelsey Grammer to come back.
0: And two of the three Lawrence brothers.
1: Yeah, Adam Copeland, he would not do it. I mean, he's no. doing his WWE comeback, so...
0: But we did get the edge from U2 to play his part. So it, yeah. it all worked out. <laughs> Which is pretty good if you think about it. <clears throat> um, but no, we're we're here to talk about food movies and we're starting with Good Burger, the late 90s Nickelodeon classic starring a young Keenan and Kel.
1: Yeah, Keenan Thompson, who I think at the time was in his tenth season of Saturday Night Live. I believe uh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah, and Kel Mitchell, who, like, it is interesting, all that, that joke aside to, like, I, I feel like if you watched this movie, if you saw, if you showed this movie to someone, and then you told them that one of the two of them would have a long career on SNL, and, like, would go on to get their own sitcom made by Lorne Michael, I feel like you'd think it was Kel.
0: Yeah, because um, I would even say, and I don't know if this is getting to maligning the movie yet or what but like all the things that we think of keenan being good at are non-existent in this movie and i don't think that's a slight to the movie or any i just i'm just stating that more of a fact
1: i will say the only pushback i'll give to that is one of the things that i think that keenan thompson is good at is being a straight man, which is a skill that is surprisingly rare on Saturday Night Live because a lot of people go for the joke. And so I think while a lot of his other comedic talents are not showcased properly, his ability to be a straight man to Kel's character, I think, is very evident and is an underappreciated skill. And I think a lot of what he adds because again, he can be like the host of something. He can be guy in an audience who's, you know, exasperated he can be wacky
0: character. And but I think I think it is underrated how well he plays flummoxed voice of reason in a yes. scene yeah I think maybe if he had been more flummoxed that would have been playing even more he to wasn't his strength. enough flummoxed he yeah, wasn't he should, flummoxed enough he should have been
1: more because there's a lot there's a lot of madcap uh, buffoonery English buffoonery happening and you would have thought he would have been more flummoxed by it but he's there too there are a cool. lot of
0: things that would cause a lesser man to be flummoxed
1: yeah a lot of things that directly cause Sinbad, and I'm not saying that he's a lesser man, I'm just pointing out uh to be flummoxed throughout this movie.
0: Sinbad does some quality flummoxing. Yeah, is. he really, he really does. He flummoxes, I, I mean, not to get ahead of ourselves, but
1: I did yeah, appreciate he, the fact that normally, you know, I mean, that's a that's a classic comedy staple of like, we're gonna continue to destroy a guy's car or whatever. And the fact that that character did not deserve that really did amuse me. <laughs> no, not not <laughs> even a little bit. Like, normally they, like, pick the character that needs some kind of comeuppance. That man did nothing wrong and was continually harassed by this movie, and I found that very funny.
0: I mean, you could argue that he made some poor fashion choices and was... Ill-advised in his approach to relating to young people in the late 20th century. Also, I mean, his greatest crime was giving a test on the last day of school. I don't know. Has anyone ever heard of final exams? <laughs> because I'm pretty sure those are a thing that happened yeah. at the end of school. What a monster. Anyways. Um <laughs> Yeah, uh, this it, um So we were talking a little bit before we started recording, and I said that uh, the, the very beginning of this movie, I was hating life, uh, but I did come around. Uh, and I think...
1: But that's also possibly just a reaction to Robert
0: Wool. Do not hate on Arliss. <laughs> not in my presence, thank you very much. <laughs> I love me some Robert Wool. I was happy to see him. Oh,
1: well... That's where we might part ways, in our <laughs> opinions.
0: I'm a bit. I'm a big uh, woolite. <laughs> Is that what you guys call yourselves? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're woolites. Um, I like because nothing else has that branding. No, that I can think of. Um, no, but I think so. W- where I was going was watching this movie. I was thinking, I'm a 40 year old man in the late in the early 2020s. I am not the target for this and then I was like wait am I the target for this because this has a healthy dose of late 90s nostalgia
1: <laughs> yeah it which is,
0: was you know a time it is interesting that you and I are like just outside of the just the Kenan, outside of yeah we like and Kel. two-ish yeah. years outside of like really being into that Nickelodeon uh late 90s renaissance
1: yeah, so like I, yeah, I had never uh, seen this movie. I, I can't say that I'm very familiar with with their stuff, but I, I do know that the the other person who lives in this apartment with me has a lot of fondness for uh, Keenan and Kel and for this movie. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I I think this movie is interesting, and and we can certainly like. There's a couple things specifically I want to like mention, but. I, I kind of I feel like this falls into a category of like it, it was never going to get good critical reviews. Oh, God, no. And I think for what it's trying to accomplish, I think it accomplishes it. So I just think that we should be clear on that up front, that it's like your your mileage may vary. Our mileage <laughs> as like old men at this point uh, may vary. But like as a movie aimed at kids that I think hits the sweet spot of like genuinely is funny in parts like i think there are some really great jokes has a solid story has an attempt at a message you know like it, it doesn't you know it's not like an after school special or anything but like there's a, you know a, enough of a message about friendship and doing the right thing or whatever like i think it hits all the things that a competent you know kids movie needs to do like i think it does it well i think it has was fun. the message that we're all dudes I think that was it.
0: Yeah. Okay, then I got that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the message
1: was, uh, it was secretly a takedown of Monsanto, I think. but <laughs> anti-GMOs. It was, uh, it
0: was the early warning signs. We should have been paying attention to Yeah. the GMOs in our food starting in the late 90s. Man, it is
1: wild. I won't even say it's unbelievable, but it is wild how flagrantly they were just throwing those
0: chemicals onto those burgers yeah that's how that works too it's i just i want to note this because
1: the like the movie that i did see that was like it came along a little bit after this but like there are some surprising similarities crossovers between this movie and dodgeball which i would not have guessed but like what yeah. is what is globo jim if not mondo burger <laughs>
0: They both have the gray, purple, and black outfits that are slightly too space age for their own good. Right. And they have the Napoleon complex owner.
1: Yeah. And like they're, they're the giant monolith trying to crush the little guy who doesn't really know what he's doing, but has a lot of heart.
0: Yeah. That has the giant, um assistants. Yeah. They're like, dim-witted. Yeah, I just found that very funny, and this movie came out first, but,
1: like, I was I did not expect there to be that much crossover between this and Dodgeball.
0: <laughs> no, that's it's. I, I hadn't even really thought about it, but, no, the parallels are endless. Yeah. So, um... But, yeah. And one of the characters is randomly a pirate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: There's that's a guy on true. our team I mean,
0: dressed like a pirate? Yeah, Steve the Pirate? <laughs> doesn't ring it. god i love dodgeball Dodgeball's unapologetically a great movie. yeah we
1: should do that movie on this podcast at some point <laughs>
0: i yeah i'm down um so i think i mean i think you kind of hit that like this movie could only be unfairly maligned yeah yeah uh because it's it's not setting out to do anything great it's sitting out there to have a little bit of fun, have a few laughs, maybe learn a thing or two. Um, And anyone expecting or assuming that it was even possible to do more is, I think, just taking the wrong tack at this movie.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And even the stuff like watching it now in the 2020s that maybe you're like, ah, I don't know about like the the, you know. Uh, insane asylum stuff for like yeah
0: that stuff was that stuff didn't age particularly well,
1: well but th- what i was gonna say is like that stuff and like the the carmen electric getting roughed up stuff like it doesn't age well but it also feels so innocuous that it's hard to actually muster up enough energy to care <laughs> you know what i mean like it doesn't it's not so glaringly bad you know it's more cartoony in its approach to all the all of those things so it's like you probably wouldn't do that in a movie now but i i find it difficult to
0: i I would say the the insane asylum stuff was in pretty poor taste it is but it's also you know i mean i I, like
1: i did it's almost like so over the top that's what i'm saying is like based on the era and based on the the actual like way that it's done i still find it fairly
0: innocuous if i'm really being honest also george clinton so yeah it's i mean it's arguably equally sensitive to the mentally ill as freddie versus jason i don't know what the value judgment of that statement is but i think it's a true one
1: <laughs> yeah all, all i'm saying though too is it's hard for me to be mad at a scene that includes two of my favorite people of all time uh, george clinton and linda cardellini So
0: this is Linda Cardellini's uh, cinematic debut as well. Is it really? I didn't realize this is her first. uh, She's done a bunch of TV, obviously, but this was her first uh, big screen role. Amazing. I look, she's going to come up again.
1: I'm I'm sure when we get to Silver Linings, but just on the record. So we're clear. So this is unequivocal. I am a Linda Cardellini fan and I, I have a feeling she could show up. Many times in future episodes. I have Cardellini all the way, but Linda Cardellini is amazing. So, also we we keep talking about freaks and geeks lately. I don't know what to make of that. Like I mean, yeah, I don't didn't...
0: know what that means. Yeah, but it's, it's there's it's something, something there. Yeah. Um. Anyways, uh, I would say that like the initial premise of the movie. If you want to like start to pick some nits about it is a little thin because like why should mondo burger initially care about good burger
1: i think yeah maybe there's a question of like i assumed based on the the initial introduction that mondo burger was some sort of like if you had asked me to guess if you you told me the plot i would have guessed that good burger is a local beloved chain and mondo burger was like a giant like Soulless franchise that was moving in. But that does not seem to be the case. It seems to be also They both
0: seem to be unique stores, unique
1: restaurants. So I thought that was odd. Like I definitely thought that was going to be the thing that like it it was a a corporation or something. But yeah, like so they they set up across the street, they they seem to have a lot of money. Yeah, why they're specifically deciding to eliminate Good Burger is unclear.
0: Right. And It also doesn't seem like Good Burger's doing exceptionally good business prior to the opening of Mondo Burger. And and I'm going to tell you why, okay? Because here's
1: my note for Good Burger. And I know what you might be thinking. Maybe you think that I'm going to mention the service. Maybe there's none of that. Like, that seems charming. You open at 10 a.m. and you only serve burgers? Like, there is no breakfast menu? What is going on, Good Burger? Like, Robert Wool is there at 10 on the dime, to order hamburgers, and so are the old ladies at the end. Get a, like, egg croissant sandwich or something. Like, you you just serve burgers at 10 in the morning.
0: To slightly push back on that, uh, I think most McDonald's stopped serving breakfast at 10 a.m., so maybe that's either a genius move or considering that before 10 is breakfast time, after 10 is lunchtime. Well, I think it's 10.30. I think
1: McDonald's now serves breakfast all day. They do. I'm saying nowadays. I'm just talking about in the late 90s. But also have a breakfast menu. Like that's, here's a, this is, I actually weirdly know this and I don't know why I know this. Restaurants make more money off of breakfast menus. The food's cheaper. So there's that makes a higher... sense. I, eggs are not expensive. Yeah, and... there's a higher markup on breakfast. So have a breakfast menu. That's what I'm saying. And like, I bet that that sauce would have been delicious on like an egg sandwich. Also, I love egg sandwiches. I just want that to be clear. You're making a lot of uh, lines in the sand on this show. I really am. I don't care who knows it.
0: I'm pro egg sandwich, and I stopped eating meat, but I still eat eggs. So, that pro pro egg sandwich pro Linda Cardellini. Hmm. Pro-George Clinton. I'm telling you, you know that question of like, who would you invite Pro to- Oh din- making fun of the mentally ill. That would you, okay, nah, definitely not on that one.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I am
0: mean, against- We can it. go back and read back the record. It, what I, mean- I said
1: was that it was offensive, but innocuous, like that it was not, you know, but no, I just want to make it clear that question of like, who would you invite to a dinner party? First of all, we would serve egg sandwiches and it would be Linda Cardellini and George Clinton, I think is the answer to that question.
0: That's that's a pretty good choice. Mm-hmm.
1: We should have done a George Clinton cameo month. I don't know if there's more than this in PCU, but we should have watched this in PCU as like a double uh, feature.
0: PCU should show up again <laughs> it at some will. point. Don't you worry? <laughs> I'm sure there will be a reason to watch PCU. <laughs> um. Yeah. So any. Um. But yeah. So I think that that's just. A little under thought out. Like I think this is a movie that probably worked backwards from its end point, and then was like, oh, eh, whatever. They just want to put Goodberg out of business.
1: I will. Like I think maybe similar to what you're saying. I'll, one of the things that like I kind of thought about is like I think they left a little bit on the table in terms of like I I think there was some things that they established that amused me that then. Could have paid off again later, but then they kind of dropped. And I was a little disappointed about that. And I'll give you the examples of one. There's a bit the the opening, which I will just say, I think I liked the opening more than you, mainly just because it was so weird, like specifically Kel waking up and having burgers talk to him. And then uh, but he showers in his full uniform. And it's yes. very much established in the beginning of the movie that he seems to wear his uniform at all times. They go out on the mini golf date and he's wearing his his uniform. He So, good joke. I'm into it. I'm into the idea that he never takes off. He also, I think, is living – I think him and Ave Vagoda both live in the restaurant is the employee because he just hangs out on the roof and Ave Vagoda seems to sleep inside the restaurant. So, I assume they both just live there. But he's – Well, no, that's not true because he has a – I'm wrong because he he clearly wakes up somewhere else uh at the beginning of the movie. But I think he's he's probably spent some nights on that roof. Anyway. That's almost a given, yeah. Uh so he he's always wearing his uniform including on his date. But then they they do the the um uh, the thing where they wear disguises, they dress as women to try to steal well to try to look in the kitchen to figure out what's going on. And they rip off his lady clothes. He's got to be wearing the the Good Burger outfit under that. Like that's the fact that they didn't rip off his dress and he had on full Good Burger outfit. I felt like was a missed opportunity. That was I will agree. That was definitely. And then like similar to that, you you do the opening scene where the Robert Wool, uh, Andy's favorite actor of all time. Robert Wool. Uh, Accurate. If I could have a dinner. <laughs>
0: be you and Robert Wool. It'd just be me and Robert Wool. No food. <laughs> no just, food. He's gonna Just be very... a rap sesh with me and Robert Wool. He's gonna be very cranky, I think. Like, that's clear. All about you. You don't want wool in a good mood. You want cranky <laughs> wool. If you're gonna get wool. You, you want wool to be a little itchy. You, know? you want it to be a little cantankerous. Because that's the best wool. A
1: little rough on the skin, the wool. Uh, but the whole thing. So he's trying to order his food and he's saying like, he's trying to get someone to take his order. And everyone keeps telling him that Ed is the one who takes the order, takes the orders. And he's not there. And so that that's a clearly established joke in the opening scene. And then you get to the final scene where they're all racing to save. <laughs> by the way, the movie takes a very dark turn in the end that it's like shenanigans, shenanigans. They're going to murder all of Good Burger's customers by poisoning them. Uh, I mean, heightening, you know, yeah, classic
0: yeah. classic comedic trope of hype heightening.
1: But you're doing that so these old ladies come in and they're ordering burgers. Why is someone else taking their order? Like, why aren't they saying... Like, I felt like you built yourself in a cushion as they're racing there to to draw it out a little bit more, to have everyone else explain that they don't take the orders. You and know. a great callback. And it would have been a callback to the opening scene. I guess, like So that's kind of what I'm saying is like, and again, maybe that sounds nitpicking, but I'm like, you established jokes that were perfect for callbacks and then sort of like left them on the table. And I'm like, that that's the kind of stuff that I, like watching it, I want that. I want his uniform to show up again. I want, uh, you know, the like, oh, we don't take the order. Like, because then that feels fun that, that you enjoy stuff like that. Uh, so, Yeah. I think that that's just kind of gets to your thing too a little bit of just like could have used a little bit more like I think there are certain things they could have hit
0: harder. I think it was it was maybe a pass away. Yeah. Not a poop pass. Didn't need a poop not pass. Not a poop did not this movie did not need a poop pass. No. Amazing given that it's a Nickelodeon movie from the late 90s. No bodily humor. That it did already have a poop pass. No bodily no humor. humor whatsoever. Yeah. Kind of shocking really. <laughs> maybe you could argue Ron Lester eating the fly was approaching body humor. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But there's no, like, bodily function and humor. Yes. There weren't even, like, belches or farts. Nope. And they were eating fast food the whole time. I, and I'm going to assume that the extras eating that uh, stale, spoiled fast food, which was a thing from the IMDb trivia, that there Ooh. were a lot of belches and farts. <laughs> That's a thing in the IMDb trivia? Yeah, that... um that a lot of the food was left out too long and the extras had to pretend they were enjoying it. That's not good. No. It's it, as a matter of fact, it's bad. Yeah. Um, so if you're an, you were an extra in good burger in the late nineties, you may call be one 800 silver linings playback to join our class action lawsuit. You may be entitled to compensation. <laughs> Anyways. Um, I don't know. I like I don't let's just talk about what was fun about this cuz I think yeah. I think that's the I think that's the show this week. Yeah.
1: Yeah, like I said, I I think that you understand why it's maligned and why it's pointless to malign it because kids are not going to have the critiques that adults are gonna have I do I will let's all take a minute as we pivot to the more positive thing to imagine just in your mind the most stereotypical New York Times like he wore a crevasse like you know like just he had like his glasses and just like oh what will I be seeing today like imagine that man Mm, good burger oh oh okay (laughs) more like bad burger (laughs) Well, the in- the opening in- invokes a madcap world, like you know, it's a fever the only good dream in this state. in the title. <laughs> yeah, so like imagine that guy seeing it and then hating it, and then be- punch him in the nuts. Yeah, <laughs> and he'll be like, "Hello, bro." Paha. Yeah. Uh, uh, so anyways. take that straw man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna start with Kel Mitchell. Kel Mitchell, like I said, I said at the top. If you asked me based on this movie alone and nothing else, which one of them was going to go on to be on Saturday Night Live for the next 20 years, I would have guessed Kel.
0: Um, and Kel Mitchell, I think, had the difficult task of playing a dumb character in a not dumb way. Yes. Like, I think he played dumb very smart because you eventually realize that he's not dumb at all. Uh, He's just so genuine and so trusting and so uh, almost Taoist in the way he lives in the moment and his environment that he misses the intricacies and lies of, you know, modern day human interaction. And it's 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 sweet.
1: Yeah. And and i yeah, like I'll amplify that a little bit, too, just to say that I think that's always a tricky thing that you want to have a character that's funny and as an audience, you want to put the other characters in the line of this person, you know, like they, they act differently from everyone else. The game then becomes everyone needs to interact with them. It needs to be hilarious, but the trick, and I think what people struggle with, and I, I'm just going to pick on the office cause it can take it uh, because it's the office and it was a hugely successful show and ran for forever and made a m- bunch of money and has all these fans. But like, it shows like that they get into this thing where it's like Michael Scott at some point is so dumb and so inept that you're like, why does this guy have this job? He's the manager. like, And I think that's always such a difficult thing to thread of like, you yes. need to understand why the people in this world put up with this person. And I think this movie nailed that 100% that I think his performance and just the way the character is presented that he is so pure of heart. And so joyous and so kind to everyone around him that you buy it. Like you buy that uh that like Keenan gets a date out of it because it's like I didn't like you at first, but then Ed liked you so much and he talks about you all the time. And if he thinks you're good, then, then he's Yeah. He's probably pretty good. Yeah. So I think they like, yeah, important like you know, part of the sauce part of the secret sauce of the movie. And they nailed that. Like, I, I thought that character's great. Like, well, I, yeah.
0: Cause he had this really consistent game of taking things literally in an unexpected way. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't that he was just like dumb and misunderstanding. It's that, no, he understood perfectly exactly what was said to him just not based on the way that humans typically understand things,
1: right? Yeah, it's it's almost like uh, like a computer or something. Like he's he doesn't contain the ability for like irony or or sarcastic. subtlety or subtext. Yeah, it's just everything is taken at one hundred percent face value. Uh, I'll just say too, since we're kind of talking about this anyway. Sincerely, I laughed. Like I laughed a lot throughout this movie. I'll just say there were jokes throughout it that I j- sincerely found funny. The end reveal of like again, because at that point they're kind of is he dumb, you're not really sure. He's supposed to get the the canister of the the, the illegal chemical that they're putting into their burgers. He keeps getting empty can- like canisters, and then eventually uh he pours the stuff into their actual food to basically blow up the restaurant. And then <laughs> like he's explaining like Keenan Thompson, like everyone laughs at him because he runs out, he has an empty canister. And they think he's screwed up. And then when he's explaining it to Keenan at the very end, it's like, well, why did you do that? And he launches into almost like a – it's almost like a Kaiser Soze moment where it, like, (laughs) makes you realize that you have been completely wrong about this character. Because he's like, well, you know, first of all, I thought, like – if I just grabbed a canister, they might catch me. And you're like, okay, at that point, you're still like, okay, yeah, that's – anyone could – but then it's like, well, then I thought, like, you know, they're, they're really powerful and they might bribe people or pay people off to cover it up. Then I thought, like with America's court systems, the way they are. Right. Like, it, it just
0: keeps going to the it, highest level. And it's 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 wonderful reveal and – Still super true to the character, right? It doesn't feel out of place. Like like you
1: said, it, it makes you like see the character differently, but it doesn't feel like it betrays anything that you've seen before it. Like he is actually operating on a
0: high level, just not in a way He's that just, you think he vibrates at a completely different wavelength than the rest of the world.
1: Yeah, but no, I thought that was a great reveal and I thought it was a very funny reveal. Like and I thought that was done really well. Yeah, um,
0: second silver lining, Abe Vigoda's uh, AFI's 100 Lines for Movies classic, I Broke My Ass.
1: Yeah, I mean, the fact that it's not number one, I get furious every
0: year. I mean, come on, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn, please. Yeah. Please. Say that line to a five-year-old, and then say I broke my
1: ass to a five-year-old, and see which one gets a reaction.
0: And if there's one thing I know that AFI is targeting as an audience, it's (laughs) five-year-olds. They should. They should. Um, But no, kudos to Abe Vigoda for just having a great sense of humor about himself. Mm -hmm. And this movie, like, not punching down at an old man. Yeah, don't punch down at old men. (laughs) If we stand for one thing on this show... It's yeah. making fun of the disabled, but not <laughs> insulting the elderly.
1: Whoa, whoa, This gets worse This, every is, di- you, this is your hill to I die at. You chose that. this hill. I did not you say that. You put the
0: flag in the ground. I did not say that.
1: This is not, this is not at all. Let it the works. record show. The record does not show that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but no, I thought um, uh, Abe pagoda, I think, is a comic treasure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought that like yeah, I, I thought that this movie was treated him admirably, and he got to deliver a great line like, I just broke my ass.
1: Yeah, one of just many butt-related jokes throughout this movie. Yet no body humor. Yet no body humor, but you had uh, Kel like watching his ass, as the guy told him, where he chases around. Like, you better around watch like, your butt,
0: and he yeah. tries. Yeah. Uh, I was like, well, this guy told me to watch my butt. There must be something on there. Nope. Again, just showing... Kel living the world through his own lens, and it's it sh- like that character shouldn't work, going back to uh Ed yeah but it, it, I think it is partially Kel that makes it work, but it's also good writing yeah. for that character um
1: also, fun fact, Ava Gothe, the only member of this cast that was in The Godfather. I didn't check that, but I'm pretty sure that's true. <laughs> Sinbad wasn't in The Godfather? I don't think he was. George Clinton might have been, but...
0: Linda Cardellini wasn't in The Godfather? I don't think she was alive. Sinbad wasn't in The Godfather? (laughs) He might have been. What about Sinbad? All
1: right. I want to say something else. I want to be clear, unequivocal, that uh, making fun of people... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who are in mental institutes, never okay. Uh, okay, it's, backtrack, it's, McGee. It's, it's wrong. Um, <laughs> and if, if any of those views were espoused on this podcast by either of us, and I'm not saying who it was, um, that, you know, we apologize. you don't want to
0: admit to the truth, but it's fine.
1: <laughs> uh, but that being said, uh, George Clinton and Linda Cardellini already mentioned them a lot, but I'm going to mention them again because, look, did the movie need... Kel to switch the music to George Clinton's music and which led into uh, a synchronized dance number, (laughs) a synchronized dance number. I would argue. Yes, it did need that. And I was glad it happened. Uh, And then, yeah, Linda Carlini is delightful, like in those scenes as well. I, it really enjoyed the, you know, large Hawking man throwing Keenan through a window and then Kel throwing himself through a different window. <laughs>
0: that <laughs> was that was a good joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a solid physical gag. Yeah. In that, Keenan goes out the window, initially gets hurt. Abe Vigoda goes out the second window, lets everyone know what happened to his behind. Already mm-hmm. uh, And classic. that he broke yeah. his ass. Yeah, yeah. And then Kel goes through a different window. Yeah, and lands yeah, on just like that is, is like clearly a Buster Keaton type of bit of comedy. Like, it's, it was great. Yeah. I was all about it. No, I... Yeah, and if, I I'm a, if I'm a 12-year-old in 1998 watching that, rolling in the aisles. Oh,
1: that would have been the funniest thing I'd ever seen in my life. I guarantee it. Like, yeah. And then Abe Vagoda talking about his butt and how broken it is. Yeah. Oh, man. My... Someone would have had to rush me to the emergency room because my sides would have split. I just want to say that clearly.
0: I, I would have probably had some damage to my patella just from all that knee slapping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, this this movie, like, it knew it. It clearly knew its audience at the time. I also
1: oh, i want to I want to give a shout out in the silver linings portion to Shaquille O'Neal for doing what he does best: hawking products. Like he he's, nailed it. He's the the greatest that there's ever been at it. If you watch television now, I think he has he, he hangs out with Tony the Tiger now. Like mm-hmm. and he's in the general commercials. That dude has so many good like endorsements going right now that you one hundred percent understand what a what a get that would have been for Good Burger to have Shaquille O'Neal to have Shaquille
0: O'Neal, it, O'Neal extol the virtues of your sauce. Yeah. Um one thing, it's it's not a silver lining, or maybe it is. Well, the silver lining is that I'm a dude by less than Jake featuring Kel Mitchell slaps. <laughs> yes, I'm gonna put that out there. It does, yeah. Um, it's just it's a great bit of third wave ska, and it's super fun. Um, not on Apple Music, which bummed me out. Oh, that's that is a bummer. Um, so. But luckily it, it is on YouTube, so I was able to to pump that today, you know, just getting getting hyped for this podcast. Uh but and the, there's like a nice good slice of like late nineties R and B and pop punk on this soundtrack. So it's yeah. a nice nostalgia trip for people of a certain age. We keep hitting this this
1: like these this stretch of the night, I feel like we've done a lot of movies in nineteen ninety seven
0: for some reason, like possi- between nineteen ninety six and nineteen ninety nine we've done a lot of a lot of movies in that, and while well, we were in high school, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, <laughs> maybe there's something to that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe, um but i
1: what this is a small thing, but I think it's something that does deserve a shout out i I kind of like that that you know while. Uh, Keenan's character was redeemed enough in the end. I like that he didn't get Monique. Like Monique did not come around on him by the end of the movie. The, that they didn't like live happily ever after. Yeah, because that's always such a, a like that. That's so classic in that movie of like selfish guy acts selfish in comedy and then does the smallest like most smallest inconsequential of, smallest
0: half step towards redemption.
1: Yeah, right. which in this movie is he rips up the contract so that he's not going to take any future earnings, but he doesn't indicate that he's going to like give, give back, back any of the money that he already gave, or already took. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like, um, I I do actually think that's nice. Like, I kind of mean that that uh, you know it's good that they didn't just do that move.
0: Yeah, I th- this movie like. Romance wasn't a centerpiece. It was, if any, at most tertiary to the general plot. Yes. Um. Yeah, and I mean, I think we all ship Ed and Linda Cardellini's character. Oh, they for sure
1: ended up together. I thought it was interesting that she didn't escape with them. Escape with them. I really thought she was going to.
0: Well, she clearly had integrity and wanted to finish out her sentence in a mental institution. Yeah. I mean, if there's one thing I know about Linda Cardellini is that she only plays characters with integrity. That's true. That's that's very big in her contract. Um, It's why she doesn't get as much work as she probably should, because she has such a hard line on integrity.
1: Most characters in Hollywood don't have integrity.
0: Or individuals in Hollywood, let's be honest here. That's true. Uh, And Linda Cardellini tries to do both. Yep, and God bless her. And she convinces
1: us that someone would want to marry Hawkeye, and if that's not good acting... Right. I don't know what is.
0: I mean, even at the end of Black Widow, when uh, Florence Florence Pugh's like, oh, I can kill this guy, I'm like, yeah, kill Hawkeye, screw him. Yeah, right. (laughs) He is like a core Avenger. I
1: don't have anything personally against that character, but I'm definitely rooting for her to just yeah. destroy him. Um, And so is Linda Cardellini, because she has
0: integrity. Because she has
1: integrity. <laughs> um, I want to give a shout out to Ron Lester. May he rest in peace. R.I.P. Reggie Ray. Because, yeah, well, it's not actually related to this movie, which he was perfectly fine in as Spatch. The fact that he played Billy Bob in Varsity Blues and then played the parody of Billy Bob, Reggie Ray,
0: in Not Another Teen Movie. movie. I mean, that (laughs) dude- Which we could also do on this
1: podcast. 100%. Speaking of Avengers, Chris Evans' best work is Not Another Teen Movie. So that's-
0: Unequivocally. Yeah, yeah.
1: Anyone arguing different is wrong. It's that one, Knives Out 2, and then Captain America. Yes. Yeah, just to be clear. <laughs> but uh, yeah. but no, Ron Lester, there is a joyousness to his performance as all of those characters, including Spatch, and I, I was happy to see him pop up. And he has zero lines.
0: Yeah, no lines. He's just there. Some He's- grunts, some, some physical acting, not a single word in the script. It's not on the page, but it's there in the
1: performance.
0: Oh, 100%. He's the most interesting worker at Goodburger after Abe Vigoda and Ed. Sorry, Shar a- Jackson. <laughs> but he is for real. <laughs> I don't know why we're even going to bother finishing this episode cuz that was that was the period at the end of the sentence. <laughs> Silver Linings Playback is a production of Hobotrashcan.com If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network Like this one
1: We have to ask It's a podcast where we answer the question Are you going
0: to eat that? What will you leave behind? Why get out of bed? Will you be our neighbor? I'm Marty And I'm Jonathan We're two hosts Infinite universes We have have to ask new interviews every Tuesday
1: find us on iTunes or online at we or with the other great podcasts on the Peaksloft network at Pesloft.com.